Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of AUSU Open Mic. Uh, we've got a great episode here today. We've got a guest all the way across the sea in the UK, Rob Avin. And uh, Rob, so thankful for you to be on our podcast today. Welcome. Oh yeah, no, thank you. Thanks for having me. And uh, so everybody's probably wondering, well, who the heck is Rob? And uh, we're going to learn a little bit who Rob is uh, today and uh, really just have a, a really casual conversation about some of the work that Rob's doing. And Rob, you are the chief executive of Open University Students Association. And we actually started visiting, uh, this would be months ago, I guess now, uh, where we, yeah. we were finally able to sort of uh, get to know you. But um, do us a favor, throw us a bit of an introduction yeah, no worries. All right. So, um, so I'm uh, obviously from from England. Um, so, uh, I grew up in a in a small county in the middle of England called Staffordshire. Um, nowadays, I live in uh, a lovely town called Milton Keynes, which is uh, kind of about fifty miles outside of London. Um, so, sort of in the southeast of uh, of England, which is where uh, the Open University has its uh, its kind of UK uh, headquarters, if you like, its its actual campus. Uh, exist in, in Milton Keynes. Um, so a bit about me. So I uh, worked in local government over here um, for a long time doing uh, partnerships, uh, community safety broadly, which was um, sort of crime and disorder uh, reduction type work, um, managing domestic violence services, uh, all sorts of things around that area before I uh, got more involved, uh, studied as a distance learning student um, for my master's degree. Um, and then saw the role came up uh, with the Open University Student Association and uh, and joined and then and then moved. Yeah, yeah. So how long have you been with uh, Open U- Open University Students Association? So I've been uh, with us for it'll be uh, it's eight years now. Uh, oh, geez, you're, so twenty twelve. Uh, I joined uh, the association, um, and uh, yeah, I've been in my current role uh, since twenty fourteen. So just over six years now um, as well. Nice, nice. Um, obviously, we were able to connect with you guys, and I, I think if we were to go back in time and just let our listeners know why are we, how did we connect? Yeah, I think, absolutely. Yeah, and and I think it's actually your president that got in contact with us. That is right. Uh, and initially, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, it was almost like we were initially we were looking at trying to expand our community of online learning, and I think for AU students. Um, one of the pieces that really was kind of driving this um, community development was to find other learners across the planet that were having a similar experience. And lo and behold, we come across Open UK. And, yeah, uh, and we, we connected and with you, you guys. You know, you really connected with us at, at, at kind of the right time for us in the sense that we were, you know, we were having similar discussions here. In the oh, really? Of, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So we... We'd started to have some tentative thoughts about a sort of uh, a, a network of other distance learning student organisations, um, you know, initially with a, with a sort of UK wide focus, but then also being really conscious that uh, actually, you know, opening out beyond that, beyond the UK's borders, there are lots of distance learning organisations all over the world. And so, um, you know, really the, the email, you know, when it came or the contact from your president to ours, uh, you know, really chimed in at that at sort of the right time. So we were, we were both getting towards a similar place, I guess. Um, uh, you know, in terms of of coming together, and then, you know, of course, when we had the first meeting with you, with yourselves, um, you know, you just 
you connect on so many levels of similar challenges that we have to the fight. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, being across the Atlantic and all the rest of it. Um, our students have a similar experience to yours. We've got similar challenges, you know, as a student body trying to support, uh, you know, our students with um, with similar issues. So a lot of learning and a lot of shared challenges, I guess. Yeah, and I think we were, yeah, right off the get-go, we were actually pretty blown away with the, how many similarities there were, Rob. You know, yeah. we, you know we, we started to have these conversations and these light bulb moments of, um, and we're actually going to get into that a little bit later. So I, I'm just going to maybe hold off on that thought because yeah. Yeah, really, yeah. really what we're going to do is talk about, you know, a lot of the comparables um, between AU Open University. And I, I think what we're going to learn is, is that there were so many comparables. And I think a lot of our students could really relate to each other on many levels. So we're going to yeah. touch on that. Before we get too far, first of all, thanks for that great introduction and, and sort of getting to know you a little bit. And you and I have had a couple uh, opportunities to chat one-on-one, but yep. um, the minute that we were able to connect, it was like, okay, we got to get Rob on a podcast. And uh, so we're so <laughs> thankful that you were able to join us. Uh, we've also got Duncan Watasek with us today. And of course, everybody mm-hmm. knows Duncan. No, not everybody. There are some I have not met everybody yet. Not not everybody, but <laughs> the people at AU would know and the listeners that, that have been on our podcast know that uh, Duncan is our governance and advocacy coordinator here and uh, very much as uh, sort of the driving force behind our podcast as well from a technical point of view. I suppose, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm the grand person who hits record. Sure. <laughs> I do other stuff too. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. I keep I keep saying that he's the he's the guy behind the scenes spinning the ones and twos, but uh, like a podcast DJ. Okay, go. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, the first question I had for you, Duncan, is yeah, were you aware of Open UK before? Yes. Before, like when we started looking into them, was this an organization that you were aware of? No. So the answer is yes, and then no. So was I aware of Open University? I was. I mean, in the grand scope of things, students are not customers but sometimes our universities treat us as such. And so therefore, our university regards Open University as both a competitor and a possible collaborator. So I was aware of Open University as, you know, if you're going to name the top five distance education institutions in the world, Open University is near the top of that list. So I was aware of them. But had my brain ever gone to, like, I wonder who represents their students? No, I had never, not until our president came to me and was like, have you heard of this? And I was like, Yes, Open University, but no, I, I, I mean, you know, the United Kingdom has a very proud history of student unionism. It is like as a part of their yeah. makeup, the same as it is here in Canada. But I just never thought of like I would say the same. Yeah, that I, I did not realize as much as I knew about Open University, I did not realize mm-hmm. the amount of similarities that we were about to learn, uh, and especially even from a students' association perspective too. So. Um, I think that's good. And we'll be able to build on that sort of as the podcast goes along here. But um, Rob, coming back to you, um, throw us a little bit of uh, uh, a nutshell version of the structure of the students, uh, the students association that you're the chief executive of and just sort of an overview of uh, your structure and governance. Yeah, sure. So um, like yourselves in 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 many respects and there's and there's a lot of similarities but um there's some differences too so so we're we're formally sort of registered as a charity over here so a non uh, non-profit uh, organization okay and Sorry. we are and we are not by the way so i guess that's yeah of course one piece. big difference yeah 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 absolutely and so over here we've got a a board of trustees that is if you like my uh, my employer 
um, but also they are there uh, in charity law over here in the UK. They are there to safeguard the organisations of the future, you know, to make sure mm-hmm. that we run things properly, we look after, um, you know, students and volunteers in the right way, that we, we exist long into the future. Uh, long after all of us have vacated our, you know, various chairs, that yeah. the organisation continues to exist. Um, but then, aside from that, we've obviously got a uh, what we call essentially executive committee (CEC), which is, and I live in a world of acronyms, as I'm sure it's the same. I do too. Oh my uh, goodness! Yeah, we too. could. Yeah, yeah, we could go um, on a full podcast just talking about acronyms in our world. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. There would be such a limited audience for that podcast. It would be just Rob, you and I being like, yeah. Absolutely. Um, No, so our our CEC is very much the elected body, you know, on behalf of students. So headed up by the president. So, you know, similar to you. Um, But then we've got student, you know, uh, post holders that have portfolios for certain areas of our activity. So whether it's, to do with education policy, whether it's to do with, um, you know, our administration, uh, whether it's to do with student support, those sorts of areas of portfolios. But we also have students that represent the, the geographic uh, makeup of our student body um, and also the, um, the sort of the faculty uh, side of things. So um, making sure that, you know, business and law students are equally uh, having their voice heard the same as you know um, STEM students are or yeah, yeah. Uh, or art students are. So, so some similarities in in terms of structure to you guys because I think you know it's similar makeup with with you, isn't it? It is. Yeah, very much. Uh, you know, we really have um, sort of if you were to look at sort of our uh, governance structure, we've got our our student council. Uh, essentially our board, if you will. Yep. And uh, there's 13 members on that council. From there, they elect our executive committee. So we as well have an executive committee. And uh, these student leaders, uh, we've got three of them, president and two VPs. And essentially, they really do make up the rep- the representation side of our organization, really the student voice. You know, our, our student council is really focused in on decisions and governance and then you come down to our executive committee and their focus is more on representation and being the student voice to all of those different university committees and you know the the different facets of their portfolios whether it's finance related or uh, member engagement related or externally which is focusing a lot on advocacy which is Duncan's world when you look at the facets of their portfolios uh, the next piece is myself uh, as the executive director, and then it flows into our our full time and part time staff. And so, I know you guys are obviously so much larger than than AU when it comes to student population. Uh, Rob, just remind us how many how many students are we talking uh, over at uh, Open University now? Yeah, so um, we've got around about one hundred seventy thousand. Jeez, yeah, it's so many. That's that's tons. It's, yeah, it is. It's kind of mad, isn't it? Um, a- across the UK and then into into Europe uh, as well, and of course in the Republic of Ireland um, too. And so, I mean, most students for the Open University are inside England's borders. You know, that is still the majority population yeah. uh, is inside England. But it is, you know, we've got a, we've we've still got a heavy contingent in in Scotland uh, and in Europe. Um, and, and growing, uh, you know, particularly in Wales, which is, uh, you know, over here, again, some similarities with, with yourselves that, you know, education is devolved over here. So, you know, Wales and Scotland 
uh, you know, have their own devolved regimes, um, you know, inside of Northern Ireland and, and the Republic of Ireland too, compared to, uh, you know, what the, what, uh, what's going on in, in England around the UK. Um, so, you know, in that sense, we've got a very, very supportive uh, setups and structures around part-time distance learning in parts of our geographic area. But then there are parts of our geographic area where there is not that support there. You know, and, and English and European students particularly, uh, the regimes around those are nowhere near as supportive as they are. You know, Wales is really pushing some boundaries. Scotland has always been incredibly yeah. supportive That's interesting. Uh, around that. And so, you know, I guess it's similar to, to you guys too with your, mm-hmm. uh, you know, students. Yeah, no, in here too, it would be devolved would be a good word. So, so education from kindergarten all the way to getting your doctorate is governed by our provinces. But of course, Athabasca is the only distance education university. I mean, every university dabbles in it. And I don't want to take anything away from a yeah. place like Thompson Rivers. But yeah. even yeah. though we are situated in Alberta and governed by Alberta rules and funded by the province of Alberta, certainly we serve the entire nation. But but of course, I, when, it, when it comes down to money, which is a lot of what we talk about, they're like, yeah, but but we only get money from one of the provinces. So I think for our listeners, you can think of, you know, we are to Alberta as Open University is to England, but we, we do serve a greater geographic cashment than just the place that funds us. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. It's and and first of all, uh, 175,000 students is so impressive. Oh, uh, man. Uh, we are just hovering over 40,000 here, Rob. So that kind of gives you a little bit of a, uh, yeah. a, a comparable, yeah. I guess. It's kind of funny. We we recently had a podcast with our outgoing university president who's actually uh, wrapping up his tenure here at uh, uh, AU and moving on to another college over in British Columbia, which is on the west side of, uh, of Canada. And one of the things that he had as a, as a goal, and it was, it was definitely sort of a, uh, more of an aspiration really is, you know, for AU to reach a million learners and, you know, with the correct platform and programming and support systems in place, you know, could in fact an online yeah. university reach that many learners worldwide. And, yeah. and again, we used to have these, these overarching conversations around the ability of AU to do that. Um, as of right now, we've got a, we got a ways to go to get there. Um, but there's no question that our university is really trying to create an online learning experience that could reach, uh, around the, around the globe. And essentially the work that they're doing is really, uh, focusing in on, uh, creating a learning experience that would support that. And, and I would, I've got no problem saying right now, there's no way that they would be able to support a million learners. They're just, they just can't do it. Uh, yeah. But again, it's that it's that vision that's kind of way out in the distance where, uh, you know, they're potentially looking at trying to to build and grow to um, is open university. I mean, do they do they kind of look at their uh, learning experience in a similar way? Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think the ambition, you know, is certainly there to support and to continue to grow and support many, many more students. Um, than are currently, you know, part of uh, of the university, and and as you've mentioned over its history, I mean, the university now is in its fifty first uh, year uh, over here, um, and so in that sense has grown and changed, and it, and it's evolved just in the in the you know eight or nine years that I've now been been part of it, 
Um, you know, the university community has evolved uh, in that time. It's getting younger. Uh, it's getting less experience with study. Um, you know, the population demographics have always been really diverse, but that is just increasingly so. Um, and, and, and I suppose like you, uh, you know, here, there is a great for and, and for us as the association too, in seeing distance learning as as part of the future, um, you know, in the sense that for so many people and for so many of us, you know, people, you know, now you don't go into one career and stay in it for the rest of your, you know, working life. You, you mm-hmm. change, you know, and life changes you and, uh, you know, and brings different challenges along the way. People need to retrain. We know economically, you know, the world is changing around all of us, isn't it? And, yeah. and dealing with yeah. the climate crisis in the future, the, the need for green tech, um, you know, the, the way the world is changing means that uh, economies like the UK and like Canada need to have people being able to, to retrain later in life to do, you know, to have those second and third ch- chances of, um, you know, requalifying, changing areas, uh, you know, remaking their lives and their careers in different ways. And so, you know, it's vital, but, the, but there isn't enough connection with that, um, you know, across uh, across the UK in the sense of, apart from, as I say, some, um, you know, government regimes certainly that really see that and are really backing it. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's a need for a lot more to be done. And we certainly see that with the Westminster UK, uh, you know, government here mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. sense of really having that ambition around what it could be and how important it is um, to, the, to, the, to the nation, you know, as well as, as everything else. Nice. And I guess that's similar for you. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, no question. Very much so. Um, Let's just pivot slightly because I want to sort of tie this into our overall student experience. And I know that the student listeners uh, that are tuning into the podcast are are, going to be very curious to see if if what they experience here in Canada as an online learner is similar to potentially what your students uh, and membership of the Students Association are experiencing. Um, You know, one of the things that we've always talked about around here especially is um, you know, it takes so much discipline and, and focus and, yeah. you know, to be able to be, uh, working on a university degree and doing that in a fashion that is I'm at home, maybe I'm working, uh, maybe it's part-time, maybe it's full-time, maybe I have children or other dependents, maybe, yeah. you know, I'm needing to tap into, you know, accessibility services. You know, there's so many different facets to the, the demographic of an AU student and sometimes they get into these learning experiences and they, they don't feel like, uh, you know, there's a huge community around them. They feel like, well, I'm obviously, you know, I'm the only one in Edmonton and, you know, a a city of a million people, I must be the only AU student here. (laughs) And then they later find out that, Oh, there's actually about, you know, 3000 students here. (laughs) And, (laughs) but they, but they always feel like they're kind of isolated and they're on their own. Um, and that obviously can bring in a lot of challenges when you're studying online and, and that self-learning element. Um, is that something that you think that the students, uh, in not only in the UK, but Europe and those engaging with open university, do you think that that would be a similar experience? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely similarities there. And I, and I think for our students too, to understand that, that, that there is such similarities with your student base, um, you know, in the same way that they go through the same experiences. I think that's one of the things that's so special about these discussions we've been having, because not only are our organisations 
you know, have some similarities and some similar challenges that we can, you know, share and talk around and have shared experience about. But so could, you know, our students, you know, with your students, because absolutely isolation, you know, is number one amongst our uh, students, uh, you know, issues with their experience, the things that we hear about, the things that we take really seriously as part of our role is to try and give our students the sort of, um, you know, that, that community experience that they miss out on otherwise that, that you you get when you go so over here and i don't know if it's a term for, for, for you in in canada too over here we refer to it as a, a brick university experience so you might hear us yep. talk about that from time to time so a conventional university experience where you you know you move you go there you you know you live with flatmates you you know you have that that sort of experience and our students you know don't have that and as you say sometimes feeling like you're you're on your own with it you know we know yeah there are open university students in about 90 percent of the the uk's postcodes over here so almost everywhere you go in the uk you're going to come across open universities or there's other open university students yep. but how you make that connection and realize that when it's three o'clock in the morning and you've got an assignment to do and you just don't want to carry on anymore that 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 having that that community around you that's going to keep you going get you through those darker parts and be your kind of lifelong friends that you've made during your study experience we think that is a core part of what we should be about that's what we should be helping you know to to create so i, I guess that's similar to you yeah 100 percent. and and i guess it's it's really great to to know that you know our student experience here at au is is not unique, but rather some of the challenges that you probably see, you know, through your student membership is very yeah. similar to ours. And, um, yeah. you know, one of the things that it reminds me of is, uh, so we, we host, uh, a convocation here at AU. Uh, it's, it's quite a wonderful event. Uh, it's a, there's a lot of personal touches, uh, within the, uh, convocation each year. And typically they're all face to face, you know, people are crossing stages and you've got, uh, families and friends that are coming there. And yeah. one of the things that always stands out to me with regards to our event every year is this idea of the personal challenges that people uh, go through uh, yeah. while they're finishing their degree. And so usually what they do is um, the university will have folks kind of cross uh, go across the stage and there's usually like a, a quick story that they tell. And, and when I say quick, I mean, it's like less than a minute, you know, and, and maybe there was... Yeah. Uh, they kind of put this personal touch on the on the occasion and everybody just loves sitting there watching all these graduates go across the stage and yeah. you suddenly realize that um and i i'm that person i went and and duncan you're the same you went to the university of calgary i did uh, i went to McEwen university here in edmonton and um it was that brick and mortar experience mm -hmm. yeah and, and yeah yet, yeah yet when i graduated um I don't know the 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 story about my experience wasn't quite as celebrated as it is mm. at AU, and I think it's because, you know, the four years that I spent at McEwen, um, did I have challenges? Yes. Um, you know, did I have a a unique personal experience? Yes. But I don't know if I would compare it to, um, you know, the mother of three who's working full time. Yeah. You know, yeah. trying to put you know bread and butter on the table while doing yeah. classes and, and having to study at night while the kids are, you know, asleep and you start to hear all these unique stories and I'm sitting there going, 
damn, like this is amazing. Like the amount of perseverance uh, that it takes to complete an online degree is uh, is quite impressive. And um, maybe what I'll end with is a lot of our students, it, it's longer than say a four year stretch, which is sort of that yeah. typical brick and mortar yeah. experience. Yeah. And yeah. I think the average degree at AU takes about seven or eight years. And so yeah. now you've got to have that, uh, what do I want to call this, Duncan? Like it's really just the the perseverance to kind of endure yeah. those challenges over a longer period of time. And mm-hmm. and uh, it's it's quite impressive. And, I, and I'm sure that's similar to uh, what happens uh, over at Open University. Do you know, it's exactly the same. You're, you're absolutely right. And I think the... Um, you know, the average length, very similar to you. And I think the, uh, you know, increasingly that is changing. We are having students who are coming through who are wanting to study at at full-time pace at more, you know, conventional sort of time, you know, three years, four years max to get through. Um, But there's still, uh, the vast majority of our students will take uh, longer and, and definitely have those, those different experiences, different life experience coming in. And it's one of the things that makes, and I've, I've shared this with you before, but but certainly for me over here, you know, I wouldn't want to do my job in any other student union over here. You know, it was always very much that um, this one and the and the experience that our students have, um, you know, is, is really, really special and makes the organisation special in terms of what the OU, you know, is about um, over here. And I think for a lot of, OU employees, you know, university employees, as well as our association staff. I think it's that connection with its sort of its social mission of what it was set up to do and who it's here to help. Yeah. That really gives that connection that is unlike, you know, many other um, institutions that don't have that same amazing story and amazing brand really around, around that, but the power and the potential it has to genuinely change people's lives, you know, for the better. Um, but like you say, I mean, the motivation, it never ceases to amaze me, the students that you come across and the people, and I, and I bet this is similar to you, but the, the people who are our volunteers as well, um, that you see them change and grow and develop through their association with us. And from the beginning, going to, you know, high level senior university committees and being a bit meek and not wanting to kind of um, to challenge or to say the right things. And by the time they've done their term with us, they're in there, you know, and they're in, they're in the kind of, they knee deep in the issues and, <laughs> yeah, and the right. challenges around, you know, let's make that change. And you see them grow. And I think that's one of the, the really special things about, you know, the staff role too. And I, I, I bet it's really similar to you. Yeah, 100%. Um, it, there's yeah, no sure. question that when you look at uh, the people that are associated with our organization here within the students union, as well as the staff at AU, there's a there's a real sense of pride uh, in 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 being able to uh, offer a university experience to a group of the population that maybe would not normally be able to attend university, and yeah. or even going to college at a typical brick and mortar school. So. Um, I think that there's there's something that does speak to the special experience and and if I'm an individual that normally wouldn't have the opportunity to, to have a uh, to continue my education uh, Athabasca University and Open University are two places that are are allowing people to be able to do that no matter what scenario or maybe I would say life scenario they find themselves in. Yeah, yeah, 
yeah yeah it's um you know it's it, it's really special isn't it and and actually and i think that's why this this sort of relationship and this dialogue between between our two organizations and and you know hopefully in the future we can develop that you know with others as well that are mm-hmm. that are similar across the world that are having the similar experience that you know i think that's where it's so important the sharing of you know of what we're here to do and actually the the importance of what we do um but also the the shared challenges because it is it's difficult our roles you know are are tricky aren't they that you know there's no doubt about it and our students you know and our student volunteers they have a particular set of challenges in front of them that are different to others um you know different to other experiences so we've got you know we felt certainly when we had the first dialogue with you you know that we've got a lot more in common with you than we've got with other student unions in the uk you know <laughs> yeah, that's right completely different yeah no question i mean i have uh colleagues uh, across canada uh you know duncan and i connect connect with them on a regular basis and mm-hmm. Uh, there's no question that, um, you know, talking to somebody who's at the University of Alberta or McGill or University of Calgary or UBC, you know, we're still having to sort of tailor those conversations for for a, an on-campus experience versus our uh, online experience. And so, yeah, um, yeah. It's, um, it's been, uh, it, it was really incredible to finally connect with you guys because I think we we finally found another Students Association partner uh, that we could collaborate with, share ideas with, and uh, even our student leaders just love connecting with them because they suddenly have somebody that can relate to their experience. And so, for that reason, yeah, uh, there's no question uh, we'll we'll continue to partner with the uh, with you folks. And um, I just want to pivot one more time because one of the things that we experienced, uh, we were talking a little bit about COVID nineteen before we uh, yeah. got on the podcast today, and yeah. one of the one of the things that we were talking about was. Um, this idea that even for an online university, I think in the beginning, Athabasca University was thinking that it's going to be business as usual. And why would we have to change much? We're already online. And yet all of our brick and mortar schools and our our colleagues across the province and across the country were trying to figure out, okay, what does this look like for us? Now we've got to move things online. We're not going to have students on campus anymore. And suddenly AU became really popular. Um, not only amongst students <laughs> in Canada, our enrollment yeah. did grow. Yeah. yeah. Our enrollment went through the roof and yeah, yeah, yeah. As well, you had other senior administration from other schools calling our university senior administration saying, okay, how do you guys do this? And so it was kind of an interesting process, but one of the things that we found was that unfortunately it wasn't business as usual. And even though we were an online school and already set up to be able to accommodate student learning uh, in a distance way, there was a lot of considerations that we needed to learn and, and adjust to student needs. Like suddenly now parents were having to homeschool their kids because the schools were closed. And um, these additional stresses that have come forward because of the uh, coronavirus. So um, I guess yeah. maybe I'm kind of looking for, again, that comparable, and I'm assuming that you guys had a similar experience. Yeah, yeah, definitely in many ways. And and, and, and I think you're right in terms of the the sort of the, the, the boom in, you know, from a recruitment point of view, um, you know, and we see how that unfolds into the future. Um, but in many ways, perhaps it, it makes people think, well, if my experience going to university over here is going to be, um, you know, digital and, and remote anyway, 
then you may as well do it with the people who've been doing it, you know, for all those years and have got those that experience around it and a, you yeah. know, a setup and structure and support around uh, around doing that. And so I think we're definitely seeing that. And certainly, you know, we did have contact from um, you know other student unions. Um, you know, some of our student reps also supported some other. Uh, staff at other universities that got in contact too, mm-hmm. um, you know, just around some of that that sort of learning and and you know how is it for you? What can we take from you? What can we learn from you? Um, and so yeah, certainly that you know continues uh, and will continue into the uh, into the future, no doubt um, around that. And it and it certainly did change some things for us. I mean, you know, thankfully, many of our you know much of our approach was was remote you know already in in that sense and so you know we've had to we've had to pivot some things you know online and luckily we've been able to do that and do it successfully um but it wasn't as much of a challenge for us you know just talking from the student association perspective it wasn't as much of a challenge as it as it might have been uh you know otherwise because of that that experience around it but i still think nonetheless what we've learned and definitely as a staff group what we've learned we've learned a lot about the remote experience and a lot and for, for members of our staff team too who maybe hadn't studied remotely before or hadn't worked remotely before um it's given them an insight into what some of our student volunteers struggle with uh, you know on a regular basis and what it's like uh you know and 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 all the things that that get in the way um you know and and just even before we came on today we were both you know talking about network you know issues you know those sorts of things that get in the way, you know, yeah. every day um, that we've that we've learned something from. So there's definitely, you know, we're trying to capture our learning as we go, and we're still trying to change, you know, things and 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 keep adapting around that. Yeah, I think there's even that that element of working from home, and um, you know, my wife yeah. and I are both working from home, and suddenly she's <laughs> on a Zoom call, and I'm on a Zoom call, <laughs> and I'm like, okay, someone's Zoom is gonna is gonna crack here, and I. You know, yeah. it's always funny. Uh, just, you know, you talk about connectivity. I think it's something that, um, you know, we talk about all the time. And, you know, even students uh, in Canada that are in rural areas that maybe don't have the same level of yeah. connectivity that somebody yeah. in a city would or um, a more populated area would. And so uh, just trying to support them through um, some of the challenges that they're facing now mm-hmm. that they're, you know, that pressure of, of being at home more and, and needing to connect to the world through their computer. Yeah, especially when they have yeah. nowhere else to go. I mean, that's something I've yeah. learned about through this is the number of students we have that may not attend, obviously, a brick-and-mortar institution, but how many of them rely upon libraries and their Wi-Fi? Yeah. Because they're yeah. like, yeah, I got the base plan. It does not support video streaming. So I yeah. used yeah. to study <laughs> at the library or starbucks and now yeah. that option is i have to yeah. study at home which is loud and and is smaller than what you think it is and 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 it's been a real struggle for some of our students to get their studies done in an environment even though you know like you can study anywhere at a distance university lots of the places where our students study are now no longer options until the pandemic's over yeah absolutely no i think you know that is definitely experiences that that we you know share over here and and i mean even just us you know chatting you know today uh through this you've, you've probably heard my kids in the background you know that's certainly <laughs> uh, you know a reality and apologies if you have but that's certainly a reality that you know we're all you know working in different ways aren't we and having to adapt to the to the environment around us and 
yeah. but maybe it has helped with that insight uh for people who weren't exposed to it before mm-hmm. and maybe that helps us just as it helps you with the, the sort of the negotiations with the people that we work with you know uh, from a university perspective and elsewhere of also understanding some of that of the reality of what it's like for our students you know all the time not that they don't not of course they do um but but certainly it helps with you know with some of that um take on on things too oh for sure like telling someone like it can be stressful studying at home there was this perception a year ago and before that like how could that be difficult that must be super yeah. easy i wish i could study at home and and now there's kind of like that turnaround of like well how do you like it you must recognize as much fun as it is to study anywhere at any time, there are significant stresses that come Definitely. with uh, having to study at home. Yeah. I think we're going to have to start a drinking game of sorts. So whenever <laughs> you're on a meeting, the, like every time somebody has <laughs> dropped from a call, that's a drink. Every time you yeah. hear a dog barking. You, you're on mute and trying to yeah. talk. That's a drink. You know, <laughs> it's got to be, isn't it? Every time someone's cat walks in front of their screen, that's a yeah. drink. Yeah. Every time yeah. someone kid cries, like I, I think there could be a real game here we could start. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, definitely. I agree. Um, Rob, is there anything uh, kind of trending in your guys' world right now? And um, and what I'm thinking about is whether it's advocacy efforts that you guys have or certain student uh, needs. Uh, are there any trends that stand out to you right now? Um, I think there's there's a I mean there's a lot of things going on over here in the sense of uh, you know change and and, and things around it. I mean. I, you know, just as we chat today, actually, we're awaiting to see uh, what the um, uh, the UK government's kind of interim response uh, to a report over here called the Orga Report, which actually came out, uh, what, 18 months ago now, I guess, got buried in 2020 <laughs> uh, with, uh, you know, everything that happened, um, but a major sort of report into uh, the higher education sector and the things that need to change. We're waiting to see, uh, you know, that's uh, being published uh, today, and see what that what that says, uh, you know, and where and where things move. Whether distance learning gets any coverage at all will be, uh, you know, really interesting. Um, certainly, I mean, for us as an association right now, I suppose what's trending in the sense of we're we're just about to introduce a new service over here, so we're doing uh, a lot of work around um, advice and student casework. And it's one of the things that, you know, we've not had a service around this, which, you know, is, is crazy in lots of respects. You know, it's a typical student union, you know, service over here, as I'm sure it is for you. And But it's been a, a you know, it's been a fight to get there and to get the opportunity to, to have that and to take it forward and to support our students around, uh, you know, academic appeals, around complaints and disciplinary serv- uh, you know, issues. Yeah. And so we're introducing a new a new service for that. So. We're recruiting for that at the moment and hoping to to start it in the spring. Awesome. We've actually got some similarities too. I mean, even the Alberta government right yeah. now is doing a full review. Do you want to just oh, really? do a nutshell yeah, version of yeah, that? Yeah, I can done? do a nutshell. So there, there's, I mean, they always have cute names, right? Yours is the Auger Report. Ours is the Alberta 2030 Report. And it's trying to envision um, how are we going to advance skills and, and get the best I mean, we, we have a, a conservative government here in Alberta, even though federally we have a liberal government. So I'm sure there's going to be some tie-ins, yeah. but they want to get the best bang for the public dollar. And maybe even yeah. if they could spend less public dollars on it, they'd probably be fine with that. And and they definitely see distance education as a, a part of that. And we're wondering, too, like, what are you going to mention us? Obviously, are you going to change how we do business 
you may yeah. be going to fund us better. Uh, we yeah. get far less per student than any other institution in the province. Um, kind of back to that perception that distance education isn't just easy, it's also cheaper. And it's like, uh, it's not really. I appreciate, you know, we no. try to be efficient with public dollars, make no mistake. But um, so, yeah, we, we are looking to this report. This report is looking at a variety of different things, such as changing how governance works at institutions, maybe even collapsing um the board governance from many institutions and making it into one board, um, as well as just, as I say, like looking for that best bang of the dollar. And, and I mean, distance education, hopefully we'll get some notice and hopefully it won't be just asking us to do more with the same amount of money. Um, yeah. but that that's expected to come out in April. Um, will it radically change how we do education in this province? I, I don't know. We have gone through some severe budget cuts of late, it hasn't impacted AU as much as other institutions, but, um, you know, we're we're hopeful, but at the same time, realistic. Um, and cautious, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm, I'm, we're not <laughs> we're not preparing, uh, you know, trumpeteers to come out and say this is going to be fantastic. There's, yeah. Yeah, yeah, cautious, maybe even trepidatious might be the word I might use. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Duncan yeah, was sounds uh, similar. Duncan's talking a little bit about funding here in Alberta and what that has also translated into is uh, a ton of advocacy that we're doing towards some tuition increases that are happening uh, within the province as well. And so, uh, you know, a big piece of that is, uh, you know, for a number of years, we actually had uh, a tuition freeze here uh, at the university in, in, in Alberta, Rob. And so uh, what ended up happening was the Alberta government basically kind of opened the purse strings here a little bit and said, well, for the next three years, we're going to allow universities to increase tuition up to 7% each year for the next three. Well, in the first year, as you can imagine, everybody just grabbed the 7% and there was little that students could say about that. Um, and we're currently in, uh, in a lot of efforts to advocate for year two. So we're kind of in the middle of the process right now, but it's definitely something that, um, that, you know, it takes up a lot of our time and affordability, yeah. uh, university affordability is something that's very important to our student membership. So, um, you know, that's obviously another thing that we're doing. And um, you just mentioned launching a new service and we're about to launch a new service as well. Uh, we're actually uh, uh, in February going to be launching a virtual food assistance program that oh, looks wow. at uh, yeah. food insecurities and stuff. And it's kind of like a food bank. You know, a lot of a lot of universities and colleges have uh, a food bank of sorts for students and yeah. what we're looking at doing is creating more of a virtual food bank and uh, so that's a cool initiative that we're going to be working on uh, to launch in february so that is very cool would definitely be interested to learn more about that and um and share experiences around it because that mm -hmm. sounds like it's got a lot of potential uh you know over here too um with uh with with our student population so yeah it'd be really cool to hear more about that okay rob get ready the next segment that we've got is the rapid fire segment for our guests. Okay. Okay. So this is where Go I'm, for just, it. I'm just going to throw some random questions over to you. <laughs> and all right, no frogs. And and we're just gonna we're just gonna see see what you throw out there. And all right, uh, I'll try not to be too scared here, Jody. So uh, <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. So we're gonna start really easy, and you've already mentioned this, but we want to highlight it one more time. Uh, Rob, exactly where do you live? Uh, I live in uh, Milton. Well, I actually live in Newport Pagnell, uh, a small town uh, in uh, Milton Keynes. 
in in sort of southeast England. So as I say, about about fifty miles north of of Londonish. And you know, the hierarchy of place names in the United Kingdom and in England always baffles the rest of the world. (laughs) I live in Edmonton. It is a city of a million people in the province of Alberta and in Canada. Yep. In three words, I described entirely where I am in the world. <laughs> you live in the, what was it? It's the county. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Newport Pagnell is is sort of a small town <laughs> on the edge of Milton Keynes, which is a, uh, you know, a, a large town, really. I wouldn't quite call it a city, but it's a, a large town here in, uh, in the UK. Um, and as I say, it's in the southeast of England, you know, sort of. So as you're as you're looking at England, um, you know we're sort of you know just on the edge of uh, just on the edge of London. Okay, now Rob, you also <laughs> mentioned Staffordshire. So where's Staffordshire? I did, yeah, and that was so that was where I was born and grew up. So okay, so that's... Staffordshire is kind of um, it's sort of it's in the what we call the Midlands here. Uh, so the Midlands <laughs> country, like, I love it uh, in in many respects. So you may have heard of Birmingham. Um, yeah. yeah. So I don't know if you've ever seen any of Peaky Blinders, whether that makes its way over. Yeah, I have. Uh, yeah, cool. So over the Atlantic, so Peaky Blinders is set in Birmingham. So Staffordshire uh, is just kind of about a similar distance, about 50 miles north of, of Birmingham uh, as as, um, as Milton Keynes is 50 miles north of London. That's what this that's what this podcast is all about is the geographical <laughs> education that we get. Um, I've probably completely confused you. But, no, um, no, yeah. it's totally fine. But here's here's just a, another quick question about this. What makes a shire, or in your term, a shear? <laughs> so, our, yeah, it's it's not one, isn't it? So our, there are counties over here. That's what we call them, um, and so they're kind of they're historic, you know, in nature. Um, there's no, I don't think there's any kind of definition that I could give you. Really I mean, does Lord of the Rings makes... help? I mean, he lived in a shire, so. <laughs> yeah, that, no, that's a good one, um, <laughs> of course, as well. And of course, Tolkien, uh, you know, was, was from Birmingham, uh, you know, or at least Birmingham was a big inspiration behind um, some of the novels, uh, you know, there. But um, yeah, no, the um, it, it's an odd one, really, our counties. I suppose... I suppose it's because going way, way back in England's history, uh, you know, after the Norman invasion, so you're kind of talking 1066 post uh, the Battle of Hastings, as we call it over here. Yeah, um, <laughs> the Norman invasion. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm the I'm Norman up, invasion. Yeah, I'm up to go date. way back, and then England was kind of carved up, um, you know, after that. And so I suppose, in many respects, the the, the, the sort of the knights, the landowners that fought in at the Battle of Hastings that supported the invasion, um, you know, were carved up parts of England that became their territory, and some of those have evolved into these sort of county, you know, boundaries. I'm sure I am wrecking English history there. I am sure there is probably no. before that even a, a reason as to why it's here. Put it this way: it's a long, long time ago. <laughs> That they that they kind of came about and the boundaries are a bit they're a bit random in terms of where they're drawn sometimes they'll follow a river or a road but oftentimes they're um uh, you know just directly for a field somewhere so 
I love yeah, it. I love it. No, and I think see we talked about geography. Now we're getting a little history lesson. <laughs> okay, so now I've slaughtered history on your podcast. Yeah, yeah. So what I'm going to try to do because we kind of we kind of went on a bit of a tangent there, which I very much appreciate. But I'm gonna <laughs> I'll make my questions shorter for you. Um, okay, number one, have you been to Canada? No, no, I have not. No, okay, so we, no, we got to we'll have to change we want that. To. Uh, and definitely you got to come to Alberta. We, we've got a beautiful province, uh, everything from the prairies to the foothills to some the majestic Rocky Mountains in Canada here. So uh, we'll definitely have to get you over here and then I'll be oh, your, yeah. I'll be your yeah. tour guide. <laughs> no worries. Um, where has been the favorite place that you've ever traveled? Oh, do you know, well, my, my favorite, uh, you know, country, I suppose, and, and favorite, you know, food and, and all the rest of it that I, that I really love is Italy. Um, I, I, I love Italy. I love the language. I love the people. Yeah. Um, I love their food. Uh, I love the kind of the culture and the sort of, you know, I am a history fan. And so, you know, I love the fact that, um, you know, everything there from the Romans, uh, you know, is still there and, and has such an impact on on Italy, and you can't beat the Mediterranean weather and climate and and all the rest. And they're kind of laid back, uh, you know, nature about many things. So, so I I really love Italy. Yeah, I think I could agree with you on that one. Um, your favorite music group? My favorite music group. Well, I am a I'm a huge Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds fan. Um, they're probably you know right up there. I, to be honest, I listen to all sorts. Arcade Fire are also really really close. Oh hey to yeah my, okay. Do you know what's funny? Your top. your first answer, Duncan and I are like okay, we gotta we gotta, you know, Google who that first band is. We never <laughs> heard of them. Uh, apologies. Yeah. No. <laughs> Arcade Fire though, that's a popular that's a popular group that we would know. Yeah. About. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Good Canadian band. Yeah. Um. We were talking about, uh, well, I guess I, I'm not going to say we were talking about Netflix, but if, um, you know, with all of our binge watching that we've been doing during uh, the pandemic, uh, what's your most favorite Netflix series that you've managed to binge watch recently or or maybe ever? Wow. Um, I would say, well, my wife and I are watching a lot of a lot of stuff that we're catching back up with on uh, on Netflix. Um you know, one of the ones that I absolutely love right now, and it isn't a Netflix show, but it is on Netflix, is Shit's Creek. Um, oh, yeah. We awesome. absolutely <laughs> adore it. Um, and so we've been watching our way through um, through that. Uh, so, yeah, that, that is right up there. Uh, tea or coffee? Well, good English boy that I am, it's got to be tea. Uh, <laughs> I, do, I do like coffee, too. Um, but it's tea that keeps me powered through the days. Yeah, that's awesome. You walk into a pub. What is your yep. order? Uh, well, I love Guinness. Um, I'm a huge whiskey fan too. But, Excellent. but Guinness is probably my <laughs> uh, my first, uh, you know, love in terms of um, uh, if I'm going to order a pint or something, it's going to be Guinness probably. Is there any crazy or wacky? things that brits think of canadians about like what if you're sitting there and you see a canadian walk by or you're in the pub and you see a canadian like what is, <laughs> what what do the brits say what are there is there something that we're like oh look at that canadian classic this like, what, <laughs> no what? no i don't think so i i suppose it's funny isn't it thinking what you what you grow up with in terms of you know visions of 
uh, of different countries. No, I mean, my, my vision of Canada has always been a very positive one. Let me get that out of the way. Uh, you know, first things first in terms of saying that, um, you know, and actually a few years back, you know, my wife and I, before we moved to Nongkins, we, you know, we very strongly considered for a while emigrating and, and coming to Canada. You know, it was really, really high, uh, you know, in, in that sort of list. So who knows, maybe one day. Um, we might well do so, but no, I would say, I mean, I suppose growing up, what are sort of the visions that you see of Canada? I suppose, you know, Mounties, you know, comes into that. I don't know yeah. if that's really disrespectful yeah. that I've said that. Um, I don't think so. You know, I think that's one of the interesting things. What? Yeah, I don't think that's, no, I think Mounties. No, I mean, is... yeah, like the, the Royal Canadian Mounted Police here in Canada do have, you know, it, it it's not a perfect history, but I, I think uh, it's still an appropriate one. It's not... And we're brothers. We're part of the monarchy. Good. I mean, we're we are cousins. We have, what what what's no, the proper relation that we have? Well, we have the same head of state. The Queen of Canada also currently yeah. happens to be the Queen of the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. We're part of the Commonwealth. Yeah, yeah. so we're like yeah. we're like siblings. Yeah, of yeah. Sorts. But they're definitely the yeah, older one. Good. Yeah, you're definitely the older sibling. <laughs> and we talked about <laughs> your history. So we got no history. That's why when we talk about where we live, it's like yeah, we're from Edmonton. And it's like there's there's nothing else. We need a little bit more time uh, for our country to grow and develop. But, um, Rob, it's been absolutely fantastic having you with us on the podcast today. And oh, no, it's been great fun. It's been um, good to chat. You so, know, obviously learning no, a lot you. about, uh, you know, Open University, uh, you know, capturing all of these similarities that we have as an online uh, distance learning uh, institution. And uh, I definitely look forward to continuing the work with you guys. Uh, we're actually currently um, in the process of forming a, uh, an MOU with you guys so that we can, you know, formalize our partnership and, and look at ways that we can grow and develop this partnership. So um, obviously look, look forward to just continuing to develop and see what we can do down the road. Yeah, absolutely. No, likewise. And um, no, thank you for your time. Thanks for inviting me on. It's been it's been really good to um, to chat and um, yeah, really, really interesting and uh, really enjoyed it. So no, thank you. Well, thanks again, Rob. Thanks, Duncan, for hanging out with of us course. again. And uh, you guys are obviously going to be great friends because you both love history. Well, I mean, I do love history. It's my degrees. So yeah. That, oh, that's very good. See, that's yeah. good. Are you two American football fans too, by any chance? Are you? I, I am CFL fan. I, I am I'm the wrong person to ask. The answer is I'm aware of the sport. I have been to a couple games. Yeah. But it's not my go to sport is hockey. And I think Jody's okay. is as well. Yeah. 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 And and to be honest with you, even if you did uh immigrate over to Canada, we would have to turn you into a hockey fan. And yeah. uh Okay. Yeah. I, I yeah. mean, I think I would even put classical football above American football in my mind. I, I'm a big wow. World Cup yeah, fan okay. and you know, I'll yeah. dabble. I I don't even remember the last time I saw an American football match on TV. I, I, but I, 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 I mean, we do refer to it here as soccer, but I'm a, I'm a much bigger soccer or, or football fan. And Jody loves yeah. rugby more than I think he Actually, does American be, football. Yeah. That'd be a great question uh, yeah. for you too, Robert. Yeah. Are you uh soccer or rugby? Well, do you know I'm I'm actually American football more than more than I've wow. seen. Yeah. You know, so we, like we are in the weirdest yeah. place. You're the American football fan over I know, there across I know. the pond, it's not, and we're the ones here who are like, eh, rugby or, or soccer. Yeah. <laughs> no, no I'm, so I, you know, I, I so I'm a huge Buffalo Bills fan. So hence, I'm really excited this week. Oh my God, you must be losing it right now, Rob. With... <laughs> oh, I'm I am absolutely Jada. Yeah, definitely. I'm really excited about it this weekend. So. 
uh, we'll see how that goes and whether I'm going to get my heart broken again. Who knows? But, um, you know, it's all gravy at this point just to get to this point in the season is amazing. So, Absolutely. Um, you know, well, the future looks bright. With the Super Bowl right around the corner, uh, do you know what? On your behalf, I'm going to I'm gonna just slightly cheer for the Bills. And, hey, uh, good. Good uh, stuff. Yeah, absolutely. We need all the help we can get against yeah, the Chiefs. So I, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll put in, I'll put in an extra prayer for you guys and, and, uh, and I'll on your behalf, Great. wish them luck. But, uh, my name is Jody Campbell. I'm the executive director here at AUSU. Uh, we've had Rob, uh, Avon join us. Uh, he's the chief executive, uh, with the open university students union. And of course, we've got our very own Duncan Watasik uh, joining mm. us as well. Who's our governance and advocacy coordinator. This has been another episode of AUSU Open Mic. Thanks for joining us and uh, have a great one. Bye, guys.